Hello and welcome. You're listening to the On the Wall podcast with your hosts, Hunter, Cody, and the always present styling guy, Logan. Today we're going to be talking about a little bit about baseball's return, the return of sports. They're back. It's about time. Uh, safety, safety was a big measure, and unfortunately we're seeing some issues with that, but we're hoping for the best in terms of everyone's safety. But baseball's back. Basketball returns Thursday. Football hopefully coming in the beginning weeks of September. Let's get rolling. So baseball. Like I said, return. Some great games so far. Some really, you know, when you see a walk-off grand slam in the first week of baseball, you know it's going to be a good season, despite the fact that it's only 60 games. Unfortunately, with that comes the news that 13, actually now 17 players and coaches from the Marlins organization have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, This is just one of the problems that you're going to run into. It it shouldn't be. It should be avoidable. It was one of those things where it's one of the issues that they just couldn't come together and agree upon. And so you're seeing a lot of this travel. You're seeing a lot of people staying in the same places. And, and baseball is not, it's not basketball. It's not an 11-man roster. It's, they cut, <coughs> their, cut their teams down to 30 with a few spare parts here and, here, here and there. And that's, you know, not necessarily including all essential personnel. So you're going to get stuff like this if you don't try to contain it better. Uh, so, Cody, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the, the nail on the head there. It's all about getting into a bubble it's been shown in all the sports that are coming back the only way to be effective right now is to get everyone in one location and baseball just i guess they didn't figure it out and you know the marlins they've already you know all their games are canceled i guess for the foreseeable future i'm Uh, assuming uh, actually they're only canceled up until sunday at this moment Mm, okay well i'm assuming that would be provided negative testing obviously uh which probably probably won't be there uh and if and if they do play sunday and there's positive coronavirus tests, and there goes another team that's going to, you know, it'll, it'll slowly eat the season away, and that's just sad and, to see. So. And that's the craziest thing to me is, well, first of all, you're already with time constraint, time constraints. <gasps> you're trying to play 60 games in 66 days. That's going to be hard to do. You, you're giving the players no breaks. You know, 162-game season is long. You're used to seeing some breaks in between. You know, it's normally three-game series, break, three-game series, sometimes back-to-back, but not a lot. And when you, when you spread it this thin, it just makes it that much harder on the players. Uh, what's crazy to me is that they had already had three players test for positive for coronavirus or three members of the organization, and then they come out and still play just to come back, and the next day seven more have tested positive. Was it the Reds they played, or who was the first team they played? No, it was because they know at least playing the American League East. It was the Yankees. Did they play the Yankees first? No, the Nationals played the Yankees first. Was it Reds or Phillies, maybe? I can't remember exactly who it was they played. But whoever they played first, I mean, they put everybody in jeopardy on that team of getting the coronavirus. I mean, that's, yeah, well, that's well, the thing. And, and now the entire – they did it smart by doing divisional and interdivisional only. But now so many schedules have to be reworked. And like I said, when you're trying to play 60 games in 66 days, that's just – you're already having to rework games this early in the season. It doesn't bode well for – the season continuing much further yeah and and my point of view is like if they can't agree on one bubble then they could at least do like a district an area type bubble like maybe you know you get all the east coast teams to play in one location and i know that some sports are more dominant on certain coasts and everything so it wouldn't necessarily be even playing field but you kind of like you know maybe like a north to south and east and a west you know break it into 10 15 whatever you can do and just get try to just get people isolated because if if it's been shown before there's just no way to do this right now in this in I mean, the I mean, we're in Look at so. it. In- NHL, bubble. No positive coronavirus taste. Zero. NBA, bubble. Yeah, regardless of the Lou Williams incident, zero positive NBA, 
Corona test recently. Yes. There were some issues in the beginning with some players, but now they've got it under control. Yeah. The NFL has yet to announce their plans fully, but unfortunately it doesn't look like they're going to be using a bubble either. And that, that's just unfortunate because that means the NFL season is going to be just and even probably more jeopardy because the yeah, football rosters are the biggest in all sports. And not just so. that. There, people are going to look at baseball, see how baseball turns out with not having a bubble, look at the NFL, and, I mean, cities can shut it down. Yeah, and, and I'm sure a lot of them will. And as, I mean, look at, look at the Blue Jays. Canada and Toronto literally said, no, you cannot play here. Yeah, you can't play here. Where is Toronto playing their home games? Or are they playing all road games? In Buffalo, I believe. Okay. Um, somewhere, somewhere in New York, up in the area, up, around up where north, they are. Where they still have a fan base, but they're, you know. But, but I think that if they can get this season going, that it will be a really interesting season in baseball, though. Just with, like, how short the season is, I think you'll see some, some different players, some different names, teams, and things like that. Because it's all about, like, a hot start. If you get on a hot start, a lot of teams, like, a few years ago, I remember the White Sox were, like, super hot in the beginning, winning like crazy, and then ended up not even making the playoffs. But in a 60-game season, they would. So it'll be interesting to see kind of, like, how, you know, because some of the teams get a little bit more content, and they're in kind of like a hangover, you know, where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll usually can wait until about 60 games in the season to turn it on. Well, now you only got 60 games. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of like who would make the playoffs and how baseball would do it. But I just don't see it happening if they don't get a bubble. Notable teams and notable players at the moment. Of course, you have the return of two-way phenom Shohei Otani, who just, it was rough. Did not recording out gave up five earned runs in his first start back uh, just you know and a lot of people are commenting like if this continues they don't see that whole two-way player lasting much longer and even at the plate he just uh oh for four mike trout and shohei otani combined to go oh for eight in their most recent game that's rough and you um, just never see that out of trout it's just it's it's just the weird it's going to be a weird season and it makes it like i feel like baseball fans you know diehard baseball fans will probably not really look at this season as like a, a true season if their team doesn't succeed. So that also kind of sucks, especially with teams probably being laid out of it now. Uh, I don't see the Marlins season ever returning. I don't think that they will. I, I think they're done. Um, I don't know how they'll figure out the schedules and things like that for everyone else, but I just don't see any way logically that the Marlins could come back and play baseball this season. I, I just I'm glad that my – it's, it's terrible that they're in my division, but, you know, my hometown Braves, we're in the NL East with them. I'm glad that just glad we haven't played them yet, haven't had to deal with that. Unfortunate, you know, best wishes to all the Marlins players and their families and all that. Hope they get it all sorted out. Hope that they can return, but not, not if it's going to jeopardize the safety of anybody else. Speaking of the Braves, uh, rough start, and then it looked like it was getting better. Back to a rough start. Two and three, drop two in a row to the Rays. Come out of beating the Mets fourteen to one to lose fourteen to five against the Rays. We really just have not been seeing the ball well this year. We struck out nineteen times in that first game against the Rays. Acuna. That's a lot. Acuna through four games already has like six, seven, eight strikeouts. Maybe is not seeing the ball very well. Somebody who is seeing the ball very well though is Dansby Swanson, who came out of that fourteen to five game with a home run and five RBIs. You know, so, in your opinions, who are some, um, like, kind of different teams you might could see making a move this year, just with the, the kind of crazy circumstances they're playing under? Well, I'd like to see the Braves get a bit further into the postseason this year, coming out of losing the, uh, in the wild card, not in the wild quarter, but losing the divisional round to the Cardinals, giving up 10 runs in the first inning. Rough. Um, interesting teams to watch. 
you know, as bad as they are, I would give Baltimore a better chance than they'd have in a 162-game season. Yeah, I could see they, that. They beat the Red Sox twice. Granted, the Red Sox are missing quite a few pieces from the heydays that have been recently, you know, that 2018 World Series title. Let's see. I saw the other day the Colorado Rockies are like 4-1 and one with only eight runs allowed in the entire season through five games. I thought that was pretty impressive. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing. You get off to a hot start, you're already through five games, 4-1. and one. I mean, Team to just... watch. They are, the Rockies are one of two teams, including the Mar- Marlins, who have never won their division. Hmm, okay. Uh, the Marlins, however, have snuck by and won two World Series as a wildcard team. I'm assuming the Rockies have not done that. The Rockies have not done that. Rockies, one of the teams without a World Series title, I do believe, but it was just interesting factoid that they have never won their division. So the fact that they're four and one, you know, in a sixty-game season, like you said, it's all about a hot start. It and, is. It really know, is. Considering you don't have to, you don't have to carry that hot start anywhere near as far as you normally do. Nope. It, it's going to be an interesting season for sure. Yeah, so. and a lot of the teams, like I said, you know, like especially teams who went to the World Series last year went deep. They don't even look at the first few months as they're they're essentially a warm up because they know that you have such a long season to track down the people ahead of you, especially when you're such a more talented team and you have the higher payroll and things like that in, in baseball where some teams just have more money to pay play, to pay players. My my last team to watch that's a dark horse that's not a dark horse because they've you know they've been up there lately but have never really been able to put it together. I'd I'd watch the Twins. Okay, yeah, I, I could see the Twins. I also like the Athletics. The Athletics. You know, just one of the teams of the 80s that, you know, did some stuff here and there, but hasn't really been around much. Moving into the next topic, we have the NFL and just looking forward to the season one last time before we go heavy into basketball and baseball as those seasons continue. So you're getting some some big moves lately with the Jamal Adams raid. Um, that was a crazy move. I mean, that moves, if the season was to begin, that moves the Seahawks into potential favorites in the NFC. Um, I, I like them more than the, the 49ers last year. It didn't end up working out where they played them in the playoffs. But now that they have Jamal Adams, you know, if everything goes smoothly with that and he can fit in the scheme, which he should be able to, super dynamic player, um, you know, obviously Russell Wilson's going to get them close to the promised land. So that, that might be that next step for them. We'll just have to wait and see, though. No, well, you know we love Russell Wilson here. Yeah. How do you feel about what they gave up for him, though? Do you think it's worth it? Do you think he's? Do you think they're going to be able to keep contract negotiations with a big name like that, with a guy who you know coming uh, clearly going to a better team? The Jets just haven't been able to piece it together. Got to be an unhappy situation there. Yeah. You know? Well, I, here's the thing: the trade as of right now is worth it. If they don't end up working out some sort of long-term deal with him, though, and he becomes the same kind of, like, uh, cancer to the locker room and owners and management and everything above him there as well, which I don't think he will because the Seahawks are just a better-ran organization, but I, uh, that, that defeats the purpose. So it's really just going to depend on if they can get a long-term deal locked up at probably next summer. They already said they're going to wait right now on a long-term contract negotiation, which makes sense. There's no point in doing it right now with the uncertainty for the season. So, I mean, if, if they sign him and he ends up working out, of course, that would be great. But hindsight's twenty twenty in that. Two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and one of their safeties to get a fourth-round pick and Jamal Adams. Yeah, that's, it's a lot to give up, but that's just that's the way trades are these days. You, if you want a high-class player, one of the top in the league, you're just going to have to throw everything at them. That's the only way they give them up. Other notable names, you know, you have the Patriots. One of their starting safeties has decided to forego the season. Yeah, I, the Patriots' defense is pretty much getting tore apart right now uh, with the, just the losses they have. Dante Hightower also 
claiming that he would not he's opting out of the season. Um, I'm assuming a lot of these people who are opting out would probably come back under the right circumstances. And that's going to be the NFL's job to make that happen. And you've actually already seen that in baseball. Nick Markakis from My Braves, who had originally told us he was not going to play, has announced that he will be with us for the rest of the season after seeing our apparent struggles. Yeah, so yeah, he he probably just said his 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 guys need him, but a lot of the a lot of the people in the NFL with just how big the roster sizes are and everything, they're just you know they know that there's such a good a high chance of them catching the coronavirus if they're traveling from city to city. It's pretty much impossible they won't get it. Uh, at least one team, and we don't want a Marlin situation in the NFL because who wants to see that? So I think that all the players are sitting there by their phone waiting on the right move by the NFL. They just have to make it. And if it comes down to a matter of a money issue, I mean, there's no sport in the world that has more money than the NFL right now. So they, they can handle that thing. They can get it done. It's just about the want to. All right, that is your NFL update for the time being. We will keep you in touch with more moves as they are made as we approach the NFL season. Moving into basketball, we have the playoff picture. Playoff picture you have in front of you, Cody. The East and the West, the seeding as it stands at this moment. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that the playoffs will be really good. I think the the whole continuity thing they've been talking about a lot isn't overhyped. A lot of these teams just don't have any playing time together. Like the projected starting lineup for the Clippers, I think, has like a eight minutes of court time together. And you have so many different pieces of their team, Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, just leaving the bubble, coming back to the bubble in 10-day quarantines. And, you know, I, that's not the way a championship team should be operating at this moment. Uh, I think the Bucks are doing a really good job. I've heard pretty much no drama out of the Bucks at all. The Raptors are another team I think is doing a good job with it. The Celtics were doing well. I, do, I am worried about Kimba. I heard he had a little bit of a knee issue. And obviously without Kimba, the team's nowhere near as dynamic. But I think that those are still the three teams that would come out of the East, in my opinion. I'd never, I love the 76ers. I love Joel Embiid. I think Ben Simmons is a great player. I just don't think they coexist well. You, you do not trust the process. I do not trust the process. I never have. Uh, because any process that involves my team being the worst in the NBA for like three seasons to then just finish in the four seed every year is not really a process I want to be a part of. Um, I feel like they got comfortable with that coming from such a low point that the four seed seemed like a good thing, but now it's time to take that next step, and I just don't think they're, they're going to be able to. See, as a Raiders fan, though, you almost get to experience that, and then you have the Browns. Yes. I, you know, I, I've been there a few, been close to it a few times as a Raiders fan to be the worst in the league, but there's always that one team like the Lions or the Browns or someone who outdoes us. But, you know, we're historical mediocrity. So. Games to watch, matchups to look forward to first round, if this does indeed stay the playoff picture, which, by the way, do you think it will? I do not. I do not think that the Grizzlies will remain the eighth seed in the West. You think the Blazers are going to snatch it from I them? I do think the Blazers are going to snatch it from them. And that's a lot – and it, it's a sucky thing to see just because – I love John Morant and the way that he played with the team and everything, but I feel like a lot of what they had going on was momentum. You know what I'm saying? The young guys, they were hot. They were, they had a lot of momentum going, and obviously coronavirus kind of halted that. We haven't seen basketball in four or five months. So with that, I just think that the veteran teams, the Trailblazers, the people who have been there, Western Conference Finals last year, they're getting back Zach Collins, their young power forward. They're getting back Yusuf Nurchik. They're going to both be ready to go. 
that turns their starting five into one of the best in the NBA. And honestly, it's it's scary to even play the Lakers in the first round with how good of a team that is. So I just don't think that if they do a play-in the way that they're saying they're going to, that the Grizzlies would be able to beat the Trailblazers in that game. So matchups to look forward to. I think that the East is pretty simple. The Bucks, they they're going to take care of the Magic. Don't see that going any farther than probably a 4-0 sweep. The Raptors and Nets. The Nets obviously have all the big names, but none of them are playing. So 4-0 sweep as well. Maybe they'll get one. The Celtics and 76ers would probably get a little dicey, maybe 4-2. Actually, you know what? I'd probably see that series going 7. I think the Celtics would prevail if Kemba Walker is healthy. I'm hoping that he is. And with the Heat Pacers, with... Oladipo opting to not play kind of takes the Pacers back a step. Sabonis he, is hurt as well. Oladipo was that that wasn't coronavirus related, related was it? Was it it was previous injury that he wanted to take more time to heal, right? Uh, I think it was a mix of both. I think he because he came back from his injuries and maybe it wasn't feeling right. But I just know he opted out. I know Sabonis is hurt and he's not going to be playing. Those are probably their two best players. So there's no really competition there for the Heat, so the Heat would move on in that series as well. So your Eastern Conference second round are Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and Heat. Yes. With the Raptors in the Celtics series, I think that the Raptors would probably win. I don't I think that everyone is still sleeping on the Raptors right now and not really giving them enough credit post Kawhi. Like they a lot of people, you know, NBA is a star driven league. So when a star of Kawhi's caliber goes to a team that's who they follow. But Toronto had been there to the Eastern Conference Finals for years before that. And we also have the rise of Pascal Siakam. Yeah, and he's, and he's a star in his own right. And he's a two-way player. So he can kind of take that role. He's not quite a three. So he's not, he can't be exactly what Kawhi was. But he's a stretch four, you know. And he's, he's you know, he's snaky enough to get in and, and, you know, drive. So he can play that role. Obviously, we're not comparing him to Kawhi here, but he's he's a good player to lead a team. And then you just have two guards that are just, you know, dogs. You know what I'm saying? You have Fred Van Fleet and you have Kyle Lowry, and they just go to work. So, with just the team, I think you got Serge Ibaka. He's been playing really good basketball lately. You still have Marc Gasol, veteran anchor down there in the paint. I just think that they're a little more ready right now than the Celtics are to go back to the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Bucks heat. That, I think, is going to be a lot closer series than most people think. The Bucks will still prevail, but probably a 4-2 and a tight game 6 would be when I would say the Bucks would advance in that series. And I do believe the Bucks will go to the finals this year. I think they'll break through this year. Do I think they will win the finals? Probably not, but I think that they're going to get there. So what prevented them from getting there last year? Uh, I think that they were too – so obviously they were too Giannis-centric, but they weren't ready for that last year. Now they're Giannis-centric and comfortable. They know that's what they're going to do, and everyone's accepted their role, and they have more three-point shooters, and they have more pieces around him, but he's still going to be – they live and die with him. That's the team. That's, that's how they built the team. That's how they organized the team, and that's not necessarily a bad way. Plenty of teams have won championships building an entire roster around one player. Um, but I just think that – they were too Giannis-centric last year and just not ready for that type of stuff. Not ready for that type of game last year. Right, so the Bucks are the team from the East. What about the West? 
Um, so uh, I want you to consider the Lakers playing both the Grizzlies and the Blazers. Okay, so if the Lakers play the Grizzlies, I think it would be an interesting series. I do think the Grizzlies would get one and lose 4-1, and I think it would be a very fun series to watch Morant and LeBron kind of, you know, just stat, stat pad. And, you know, they'd have crazy stuff going on, probably triple-double from both of them in that series. It would be a really fun series to watch with, you know, little to no hope for the Grizzlies, but they would still be there, and that's, that's you know, that's, that's good for a young team to get that type of playoff experience. Uh, Clippers-Mavs, I think, would probably be – another just super interesting series. The Clippers would win, in my opinion, but I think the Mavs could push it to six. The West is pretty loaded once you get past even the eight seed. Like, when you have the, when you have the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers battling for the worst team in the playoffs, you know you have a pretty loaded conference. Well, you know, with so many years of the East being LeBron's division, the West has always been looked at as that's, that's the harder division. Yeah. That's, that's the division where – you're actually going to have to work because most teams in the East felt like they didn't have a shot. Yeah, and, and even it even feels like that now. Like, even though the East has grown, you look at these teams and you just you can go ahead right off the top of your head and say, Pacers, with the injuries, I don't consider them a threat. I don't consider the Nets a threat. I don't consider the Magic a threat. And I can't look at the West and just automatically say three teams aren't a threat. So it's just a more wholesome, like, balanced conference out there. Um, Nuggets, Rockets. Nuggets, Rockets, honestly, I think the Rockets would win this series. I, w- I would pull for the Nuggets, personally. I'm a big fan of Nikola Jokic. I like him a lot. Uh, I know he doesn't play any defense, but, you know, who does anymore? Just like the Rockets star player, James Harden, that's, you know, probably the worst defender in the NBA. So I think the Rockets would win, though. I just, I don't see, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, if they both get going at the same time, then they can be the best team in the NBA, but they never are. I think they'll get going enough to win the series, though. I don't think they'll go out in the first round. And Jazz Thunder. Jazz Thunder will probably go to the Jazz. They're just a more complete team. The Thunder is a really good story with Chris Paul leading Shy Gilgis Alexander and showing him how to be a point guard. And it's just, it's just a fun story because I love Chris Paul and I've always pulled for him and feel like he always gets the bad end of the deal sometimes and everything. And I like, I like the fact that he proved himself to be that type of leader going to the Thunder and getting them in this type of condition. The bad end of the deal you're talking about when they blocked the trade to uh, L.A.? Yes. I'll, I, you, it's, it's just one thing after another with him, you know. Oh, uh, well, I, I'd actually, you know, Chris Ball, Wake Forest, North Carolina. Yeah. That's, you know, normally all me, but, man, do I love Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. So i got to be taking the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, he's, he's a beast. Just the Jazz, I, I don't I – like I said, the Jazz are just more complete. The Thunder have the good pieces with Chris Paul and Steven Adams, but... Quick aside before we move into the next round, Logan had a question for you about the Golden State Warriors and why they weren't in the playoffs this year. He, before, keep in mind, before looking at his record, their record, he wanted to know if they had uh, just chosen to forego the playoffs, and that's why they weren't in. Yeah, because I thought they were still a good team. Okay. But then Hunter explained to me that basically all the good players are out. Yes. Injuries, uh, not They COVID. are still a good team. Uh, <clears throat> last year in the finals... Kevin Durant towards Achilles. That, Same. That's a year, and then he also left. So it <laughs> doesn't really help much, you know, when your best player tears his Achilles and then says bye. Uh, then you have Curry. He has been out all year with a wrist. He Are you saying back. he's not the best player in the Warriors? Who, Stephen Curry? Yeah. He is now, but he wasn't <laughs> for three years. And as soon as you are for two years, as soon as you get Kevin Durant, you – Unless you have a team with LeBron, and even arguably with LeBron at some points, you're Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet. 
And, you know, so as you, when he joins your team, you just have to take that step back. Curry was the leader of the team emotionally, and the fans thrived off Curry and what Curry does and everything like that. So as far as who the Warriors find more important, it would be Curry. But the best player on the team was Kevin Durant. And that's easy without a doubt because there's never been someone that tall with that type of skill package in the history of the NBA. So A, a seven-foot handle machine and just the purest sharpshooter in the league. Yeah, and, and you just wouldn't even expect it because he just comes walking up to you just like a piece of cardboard. He's just the <laughs> and skinniest still, thing in the earth. And still chooses to forgo the nickname the Slim Reaper. Which is, in my opinion, one the of the best name ever to ever not be used by a player. Let me throw it to you, Logan. KD35 Durantula or the Slim Reaper. The Slim Reaper sounds like the scariest thing I've ever heard of. And that's what they and that's what the opponents feel when Kevin Durant gets on the court and backs them down in the post because there's nothing you can do. Even the great LeBron James had to watch this man shoot a game-winning th- a game-clinching 3 over his head in the finals. 2 years in a row, just dagger threes over his head. And these are from 4 or 5 6 7 feet behind the three-point line. Doesn't matter. Limitless range. And just uh, an know, insane C- Cody, skill I know, package. I know you don't like talking about it because LeBron oh, is your boy. Yeah, LeBron's Kevin my Grant, guy, obviously. He, he just walked up and no stress, no sweat at all, just yeah. pulled up. He, like, he, like he'd done it 3,000 times before. Just nothing. Like he him. practices in his ho- court with a LeBron cutout in front of him. That's moving towards him. That's impressive. It, it was very impressive. Yeah. It was the it was some of the saddest basketball I've ever watched as <laughs> being a diehard LeBron guy and following him from team to team and everything, but... You know, you just got to take it. So, that's what I did. Moving on to the second round in the West. With the Lakers beating the Grizzlies or Trailblazers, and don't count out the Pelicans. Pelicans could potentially still be that team. I don't want to disrespect them. I don't think they're ready. I think they're young, and they have too many Duke players on the roster. <laughs> but I think that they can get there one day with maybe a couple Tar Heels. Um, so, but I think that... The Lakers playing the Jazz or Thunder will be kind of the same series as the Grizzlies. Uh, it lined up well for the Lakers, honestly. Their second round is a lot easier than what the Clippers are going to have to do with either way, being Nuggets or Rockets. But the Lakers get the Jazz or Thunder. No disrespect to them. The Jazz and Thunder just are missing pieces to be a comparable roster to the Lakers with arguably, in my opinion, two of the top – four best players in the NBA on the same team. So just having that, you have to have a roster like the Clippers or a guy so dominant like Giannis to be able to compete with the Lakers. And the Jazz just don't have that. So the Western Finals matchup is the anticipated one, Lakers-Clippers. Yeah, I think the Clippers will come out of that series against the Rockets 4-2. So that's two 4-2s for them, going straight into a seven-game series with the Lakers. It's and it does go to seven. It does. I I don't see it not going to seven. It's unless one team just gets an insane amount of advantage, like momentum somehow in the series, or if there's an injury, or if there's. I was going to ask, what are the worries that Anthony Davis is able to stay healthy through the entire playoffs? Personally, I'm not too worried about it. I think the Lakers did a really good job managing managing him this season, and some of the seasons that he's missed so many games with injury wasn't necessarily that the injury made him miss that many games. It's that when he went out with injury and once he was ready to come back, there was no point. And he was just saving himself knowing that in the future he was going to need money in his contracts and things like that. So the Pelicans weren't doing anything that year anyway because they never did without Anthony Davis healthy. 
So he just kind of said, well, it's not going to hurt. He's still getting the money. So now he's just looking for hopefully the Lakers to extend him. That's what I'm pulling for as a LeBron guy. And we need Anthony Davis to do anything with the, with the Clippers. But so, I think that, the, that it goes to game seven and not just a bias pick, but an honest pick. I think the Lakers are going to win. Just because of the continuity we touched on earlier, and I think the Lakers are just a more tight-knit group. Everybody. The pickups they've made with J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters, I think, will be key in this long series. J.R. ruins LeBron's chance at a finals again. Does he stay in the NBA? No. He might not stay alive. <laughs> He'd be lucky to still be breathing. So, so everybody's, everybody's preseason pick, Buck, Bucks-Lakers, that's who you're going with. Who brings home the trophy? All right, now. We have to keep in mind that everybody's preseason pick was the Clippers because they were hating on my boy LeBron. But now since he's showed them what's up, you know, we're going to get there. Well, to be fair, that first Lakers season was rough. Yeah, it was. It was, But a lot of it, you know, was, it was a super young team. And LeBron did have them in position to be the third or fourth seed in Christmas Day when he got injured. Obviously, he didn't rush back from injury either because there wasn't much of a point by the time he was ready to come back. They, weren't, they probably weren't going to be in the postseason. So I think that's, that's, that last year actually helped LeBron more than anything, having that time off and taking this summer off, getting, getting AD in, and then now they've had another three or four months, and that's just that's perfect for a guy LeBron's age. I think with that, the playoff push that he normally makes where he turns into a whole other player of the playoffs is going to be even stronger, and I think that, the, that they will push through the Western Conference and eventually win the title. So Lakers take the title. And I think it should be obvious at this point, but finals MVP? LeBron James. LeBron James. Yes. Will LeBron ever win a finals where he is not the MVP? I could see it. I could see it if Anthony Davis stays on this team. Because although I argue as LeBron, you know, is, is the MVP, Anthony Davis leads the Lakers in a lot of stats. And he's a just as good, phenomenal player. I mean, they're all – once you get up to the top five, ten players in the NBA, it's kind of like give me any of them, I don't care. Because they're all so good. And Anthony Davis is that caliber player. LeBron's still getting older. Father time's undefeated, and Anthony Davis is just now entering his athletic prime. So if they stay together and win another title, it might be Anthony Davis on the receiving end of the Finals MVP award. All right, so you heard it first here. Probably not first here. You probably heard it other places too. A lot of Lakers, places. Bucks, Finals. Lakers take it. LeBron James is your Finals MVP. He gets his fourth ring one step closer to ending the Jordan six ring controversy. I'll be ready for that. Does his career last long enough to get the sixth ring? You know, I honestly don't think he will. I think he'll end with five, and then the five. You think you think the Lakers go back and repeat? I think they'll. I think that they they may repeat, or they may have a year where they lose to the Clippers, but then re up with another piece joining AD and LeBron, and I think they'll stay in that contention, pending AD resigning. I know that I know that Chicago wants him bad, and he's from Chicago, and obviously he's going to have options in every place, everywhere. I just think that it's be smarter for him to stay in LA, career and personal wise. You know, I feel like he fits in well. And so you don't think that there will be the storybook ending for LeBron and the Lakers, where he gets the sixth? Not only does he get the sixth ring to tie Jordan, but he gets the coveted second three-peat for the Lakers that Kobe, may his soul rest in peace, sought. I would love that more than anything, but I don't see it realistic. I don't think Kawhi and Paul George are going to go the next three years without a championship, unfortunately. All right, moving into NBA awards. So we're going we're gonna to discuss four awards. Okay. 
MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Okay. Starting from most popular, or least popular to most popular. And oh. so, Coach of the Year, who is your pick for Coach of the Year? Coach of the Year this year is going to be a bunch of different people, in my opinion. I think that if I was going to vote and I had to pick someone, I would pick Nick Nurse from the Raptors. I think losing Kawhi and everybody immediately counting you out and then using the same team, not necessarily getting more pieces and carrying them right now to a two-seed. Obviously, he's just a coach. He doesn't – like, yeah, I get it. He doesn't play. But the coach matters a lot in sports. You know, you have to have the right voice. You have to have the right leader. And if you don't, it's been proven time and time again that not well-coached teams are just undisciplined and don't do the right things. The Raptors have been just as solid this year as they were last year. And I think the fact that you lost Kawhi and maintained that type of consistency and basically didn't miss a beat except for losing Kawhi and not having that type of go-to guy – I think that he deserves the coach of the year. But there's plenty of arguments in other areas. I like Eric Spolstra from the Heat. I think he's done a really good job bringing in a bunch of different personalities, getting them to get along together. I've always, I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for Spolstra. I think he's the best coach that ever coached LeBron. I loved him. I, would, I always wanted him to go to Cleveland. He'd, obviously, he wouldn't because him and Pat Riley run Miami. You don't think Tyron Lue, who is really just LeBron James – was the best coach for LeBron James? Uh, yeah, well, you know, LeBron, that's, that was, and that's even, a, that's a fault to LeBron. That's, a, that's an issue with LeBron sometimes. He doesn't really let some people, you know, have a voice. And, and everyone has to have a voice. The, the coach has to have a voice over him. So, but I think that, the, I think that Eric Spolstra would definitely be deserving. I have no complaints if he won it. And Billy Donovan with the Thunder, I think, also has a pretty solid argument to be the winner as well. I don't see why anyone would be disrespecting the job he's doing out there. The Thunder lost all kinds of stuff. The the team with the most potential that could have been the greatest dynasty ever. Who knows, right, if they would have stayed together. And they've lost all that. All three of them gone. All three of them have let, been, you know, Russell Westbrook, triple-double average for two seasons in a row. James Harden. Dropping 50 and 60 like he's eating Sunday dinner. And Kevin Durant, as we've already talked about, is the most lethal offensive assassin in the history of the NBA. Harden, All were on the team at the same time. Harden, I understand, left because he was the sixth man there. Yes. Wanted his own team. Westbrook left because he was just tired of being on the Thunder. He, he was wanted tired. to go somewhere else. Kevin Durant left because he lost to the Warriors. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I really didn't think Kevin Durant should have left that way. Because I honestly believe they would have won a title probably the next season with the way that the Cavs were kind of, you know, Kyrie was starting to not really mesh well and all that stuff. I just didn't really see a repeat in the Cavs' future. Anything anything in the Warriors' dynasty, right? Yeah, and that, that would have been great. But instead, continue the Warriors' dynasty by joining them. You know, your ship's going down, you hop on another one. I, I, I respect the move. He got two rings. He got two finals MVPs and – He's going to grow down as an all-time great. Ooh. I just don't know if I would have left. I think OKC would have had it the next year. A couple more comments about coaches, a question from me, and then on to the next award. So who takes it home definitively coach of the year? Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, Toronto, Toronto Raptors. Raptors. And my question about coaches is, how do you feel about coaches like Tyron Lue, who, for one, is now known for being stepped over twice, once by Allen Iverson and once by LeBron? <laughs> How do you feel about coaches? One co- time physically. 
How do you feel about coaches like that who allow their players to make game-time decisions? I think that in certain, like certain teams it works. When you have a player like LeBron, you know, that's someone that even though you're the coach understands more about what's going on than you do. And it's okay to kind of ease into them a little bit. But you can't lose full control. You can't be a secondary voice. You still have to be the primary voice. You have to be the leader of the team. You have to be the speaker for the team. And overall, they all have to respect you and look up to you. So let's say all of the guys that were on the Cavs that were LeBron's boys, yeah, they were fine with it. But if there are some people that are on LeBron's team that might not like him, might not like the way he plays, might not like how much attention is evolved to him. And in that case, if the coach lets LeBron run all over him, formerly, those players immediately lose disrespect. Formerly known as Lance Stevenson. Yeah. All right, so next award we have is Sixth Man of the Year. I cannot give it to anybody Did but you Lou give Williams. it to Lou Williams again? I can't give it to anybody but Lou Williams. Montrez Harrell on the same team could get it just as well. But I just cannot – I – have never been so scared of someone coming off the bench. Lou Williams comes off the bench and is automatically like a top five offensive player in the NBA. It just Do you think that he accepts his role as a six man? Do you think that do you think that he would be star power somewhere else? I think he genuinely enjoys coming off the bench. I think he it gives him a minute to kinda analyze the game and see what's happening. And he gets his 30 minutes anyway, so he's getting starter minutes. Most starters play about 33 to 35 now, try to rest them during the – and then obviously, you know, they get closer up to 40 once the playoffs come around. It's a different game then. But, you know, it gives him time to sit there say, all right, this is where they're not hitting their spots because, you know, if, he, if I go left, and whatever, I'm going to score. So he's just – he's sitting there watching his spots. He checks in, and he likes being that spark plug, and everyone feeds off Lou Williams. So not only because of the statistics and the fear he puts in another team, but also his bench leadership role and the role he takes on his team when he comes in as the predominant ball handler, I just don't see any more value in a bench player in the NBA than Lou Williams. Defensive player of the year. I'm going to have to go with Giannis. Giannis? Giannis. AD is a close second. I think that Giannis is just a beast. He locks it down. He puts in the effort. He's not. He's young, and maybe that has something to do with it, but maybe he'll do that his whole career. Who knows? But he's not one of the guys who takes defense off. He puts it in all the time. And obviously, just looking at his body, you already know it's going to be hard to score on the man because he's he, a freak He is of nature. the Greek freak. He's a freak of nature. So, also, just one of the greatest nicknames in basketball. Oh, yeah. See, he embraced a good nickname, unlike Kevin Durant. So, with him, I just – I think that – as far as to me, if I'm talking about the defensive player of the year, in my mind when I think about defense, it's who is the hardest person to play offense on, and that would be Giannis in my opinion. I think that you have to genuinely game plan, regardless of who you are, for his length, his athleticism, his determination, and just his overall defensive ability. And for the MVP award, of course, most people have it down to two guys. You have it down to two guys, verging Correct. heavily on the one guy. But yes. before we discuss that, I wanted to give you some stats from the season. So your Lakers, 49-14. LeBron James averaging 25.7 points per game. Correct. 7.9 rebounds. 10.6 assists and shooting 49.8% from the field. Yes. Giannis, the other candidate. His Bucks, better record, 53-12. and 12. Correct. More points per game, 29.6. More rebounds per game, 13.7. Half as many assists as LeBron, 
but shooting 54.7% from the field. Go for it. So, either player can get their award. I would agree with both. I'd be okay with either one of them getting it. I'd be okay with Kawhi getting it. I'd be okay with Anthony Davis getting it. MVP is kind of one of those awards where, you know, someone's going to get it, and some people get tired of giving the same person the award over and over again. Derrick Rose should not have won the MVP. LeBron should have won five straight, but that that's no big deal. So, with with it, though, I think back to if it's the most valuable, I look at who's more valuable to their team, and I don't see anyone being more valuable than LeBron. But that might be my fault. I might never see anyone being more valuable than LeBron. The way that the Bucks play when Giannis is on the bench is very similar to how they play when he's on the court. There's not much of a differential in net points and stuff like that. Obviously, they take a drop. Anyone takes a drop. But the Lakers go from the number one offensive efficiency in the entire NBA to subpar like 15 or 16, barely making the playoffs team in offensive efficiency when LeBron is on the bench. The, the amount of value that is in there, even if it's in eight-minute stretches, with how much more he can get the team's points on the board, things like that, and even though he doesn't play defense, I'll, I'll admit to that, you know, he does still run the defense. He tells everybody, you know, he calls it out. He, he's doing the thing. He's running the team. He's obviously the captain of the team. And I just think that the amount of work that goes into his game and the way he sees the floor – that there's never going to be anyone more valuable than LeBron just because he has the smartest basketball mind in the, in the NBA and he controls a game completely mentally before it even happens on the court. But I can still respect Giannis getting it because MVP comes down to stats. And like you just read, he's an absolute disgusting machine. He can't be stopped. It's like 30 and 15 every night, over and over and over again, relentless, never ending. So the, his motor is higher. And I could respect him going back-to-back MVPs and would not be at all sad with that. Fair points. So what do you say to the players who don't – not the players, the fans who don't want to give it to LeBron because Anthony Davis is on his team and because, you know, how can you say somebody's the MVP when they have another MVP caliber player on the court with them? I'll tell you my my spiel first, uh, bringing up something that you brought up earlier, actually. Okay – well, LeBron has won championships with some players that, like Dwayne Wade, who you can consider better than Anthony Davis, or on his level. Yes, prime, uh, prime Dwayne Wade was, was definitely at least on the level of Anthony Davis. And then you look back to, so LeBron has that ability to carry teams. That's what an MVP is. Anthony Davis, fantastic player, phenom, injury-prone, which sucks. What did he do with the Pelicans? Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. It's like... He didn't do anything with the Pelicans, and while you can't blame that on him because he put in the work, you've seen other players take less further. So some players are LeBron really— LeBron and the 0-9 Cavs. Yes, exactly. Especially the 0-7 Cavs. Oh, my goodness. Let's not even get into that. But the when you have a player like Anthony Davis, some players are skilled enough to be the best in the league. But— the fact that they might not necessarily be able to be the best on their team can keep them back. Kind of like what Kyrie Irving learned, I think, and is slowly starting to learn. That he want, he wanted to come out of LeBron's shadow a little bit, but it's not all that easy. You came out of LeBron's shadow, and what have you done? And now you're in Kevin Durant's shadow next year. 
because there's no way anyone considers you better than Durant. So it's there's some players that have the ability to be the number one in, in on their team or even in the league, but they don't have the mentality. And LeBron brings that mentality to the Lakers, and that is what makes him. And you can't fault him for not having, you know, a worse second player. Like Chris Middleton is the Bucks' second best player, and that does suck for Giannis, but Middleton's a serviceable guy, and they do have a more complete roster. So also their team is completely built around Giannis getting those statistics every night. And the Lakers are built solely on LeBron carrying the load. When he's off the court, they just don't do it. All right, so that's our take on the current state of the NBA, playoff picture as we see it now, and potential awards. These are, of course, all subject to change as the seeding games go, as the play-in goes, and as the actual playoffs go. Um, I was interested to see today that ESPN still has the Clippers as their favorite um, amongst their uh, so-called analysts or ex- expert analysts. What does ESPN know? Yeah, the Clippers, uh, I think the Clippers-Bucks was the most likely matchup with the Clippers winning more often. I think the Lakers were the third favorite for the title after Clippers-Bucks. Which, I mean, is still fair. I mean, they all three have a really good shot. We just have to see how the season plays. There's too much uncertainty for the Clippers for me right now. All right, so we're going to move into our weekly Instagram pool where I pull a post off Instagram related to sports, and we gauge Cody's reaction, my reaction, and if, you know, he ever has one, Logan's reaction. This week we have overrated, underrated, the AFC edition. So Had to do Logan like that. (laughs) Logan's definitely underrated. (laughs) So... Facts. Yeah, three choices. Overrated, underrated, and just right. Okay. You're going to tell me how you feel. I'm going to read you the post. Okay. How I feel is irrelevant. Okay. Go Bolts. So starting with the AFC East, the Patriots. Overrated. <laughs> um, honestly, I'd say that, in my personal opinion, they're getting a good enough mix from the media to be just right. I think a lot of people are expecting them to be a lot better than they're going to be. A lot of people are expecting them to be a lot worse than they're going to be. I think they're going to be probably the second best team in the division behind the Bills, and I think if you balance everything out, they're probably about just right. Just right is what this poster said. Bills? Probably, in my opinion, a little underrated. I think the Bills, with a pickup of Stefan Diggs, finally have a little bit of a better offense. With, the, with that, you know, is pretty much being all they needed. Their defense has been hard to score on, even when they went 5-11 and 11 every year. And they just need that offense, and they have it now. I think the, the quarterback's dynamic enough, and the receivers are good enough. I think, that, I think that they're probably a little underrated. Just right. The Miami Dolphins. Overrated. Overrated. I do. I think they're overrated. I, I, a lot of people are expecting the Dolphins to come and contend. You don't trust in Tua? I don't think Tua's going to play this year. So I don't, I don't think he should, especially not now. With the, and so I didn't think he should have in the beginning. With the way the season is now and all this crazy stuff going on, there's no way if I was in the front office in Miami, I would even – I would go ahead and let everybody know right now Tua's not playing this year. I don't care, you know. Underrated. <laughs> the New York Jets. No, God, I don't even – the New York Jets are just—they—they—they have to be overrated. They—they they disgust me. I, just right. They—I—I I, don't—I don't see any appeal to the Jets. I don't know why Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets. 
I just money. I, well, yeah, money. But I mean, money. He was had money from other places. He he held out for such a bigger contract than what he ended up getting. I mean, fair. Fair. The fair thing is, he had plenty enough money and the Pittsburgh. stats in Pittsburgh. Yes, exactly. <gasps> and in Pittsburgh, you you also had you know, oh, way better offensive line, way better quarterback, better offensive weapons, and that makes you look better because there's so much attention on everything else. And maybe now we're just figuring out that Le'Veon Bell is just good, not as great as we thought he was. Moving into the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. Probably a little overrated. Overrated. I, I don't – I liked it. It was a good story. It was great. Derrick Henry, obviously, absolute beast, basically a horse. I don't really understand. He's not – he's half horse, half man. Uh, he – I've never seen a running back carry a team like that. I know that it's happened before, but me personally, as a big fan of the NFL, analyzing the game – he was just took the team on his shoulders and said, let's go. Took them all the way to the AFC Championship game. They did lose, unfortunately, to the Chiefs, which we, neither one of us like. And no one likes in this household at all. We all hate the Chiefs. So the Indianapolis Colts. Colts, probably underrated. Underrated. I, I would respect that. I think Phillip Rivers is a better quarterback than what people think he is at this point. R.I.P. Be- best wishes to, you know, P. Rivers as a Chargers fan, as long as they don't beat us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say a little R.I.P. there for my friend Hunter, you know, uh, devout Chargers follower, losing his franchise best quarterback. Only jersey that I have right now is a Phillip Rivers jersey. Uh, Houston Texans. Texans. I don't really know. I I. Keep in mind, they did lose DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, their team, the roster is worse now. So they're either overrated or just right. Just right. They're, they're, the roster is worse, but I do think that Deshaun Watson has, like, uh, Russell Wilson Jr.-like ability to put a team on the map, regardless of skill, uh, talent positions, and things like that. Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't really think you can. I think that everyone knows they're going to be bad, so they're just right. <laughs> just right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> if you, everyone knows that Gardner Minshew is your quarterback, and he's not necessarily. A, I didn't really. He had flashes last year. He's obviously not the guy. Okay, he's not your franchise quarterback. Are they tanking for Trevor? More than likely. So everyone knows they're bad. They want Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, and that's probably where they're going to end up. Baltimore Ravens. Probably just right. Super, super Super Bowl contender. I mean, they're just – they did lose a couple players to the opt-and-out stuff, which I hope everything gets solved, and I really hope everyone's at full strength because I don't want the NFL season to be in jeopardy or be considered, like, fraudulent or anything like that. I really want a season, and I only want a season if it's done right or if all the other teams in the NFL back out and the Raiders are unanimously, unanimously voted Super Bowl champion somehow. <laughs> uh, so – I would like to see everyone at full strength. I think the Ravens are the only true hope to stopping the Chiefs this year. Just right. Pittsburgh Steelers. Probably a little underrated. By the way, we've moved on to the AFC North now, if you didn't know. Underrated. Underrated. Agreed. I agree with that. I think that they can – I think that the wide receivers will show up again now that Ben Roethlisberger is back. And I do think that they need to go ahead and start looking, though, because Big Ben is old, and he is starting to get hurt a lot more. You don't think Duck's the answer? Duck and uh, Rudolph are two things that I never thought would be thrown a football. <laughs> so I don't think they should be anymore either. Underrated the Steelers. Uh, Cleveland Browns. Just right. Mediocre. Just never going to go over that. Just right. 
Kane's, our friend Kane, big Bengals fan, Cincinnati Bengals. Honestly, personally, underrated to me. I think they're underrated. I think their offense is loaded. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how AJ Green returns. Yeah. Uh, especially knowing that he is, you know, he's playing under the franchise tag, but he's one of those players where. Some players I feel like just awful that they're on the franchise tag, but yeah. with the injury issues, I kind of do understand it. I, I wish that he could stay healthy. I do too. My I, fantasy he, team he really wishes top, he could stay healthy. He was a top. Anytime he's on the field and healthy, he's a top five receiver. Plain and simple. Period. Bengals, Sometimes top three. Bengals were listed as just right. Just right. I, I just think that I think the Bengals are a little slept on just because Joe Mixon, in my opinion, is probably like a top six or seven back. And then you still have John. You still have John Ross, who is one of the fastest people in the NFL. You have AJ Green, and Tyler Eifert. And if Joe Burrow can be anything, and everyone can stay healthy, and their offensive line can block just a little bit, they can be decent. They're not going to be. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think they're going to be. But I, obviously, I don't think they're going to be that good. But I could see them getting up to five or six wins. Moving into the division that matters the most, the AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs. Just right. The, uh, the, the Super Bowl favorite, I'd really, honestly, probably like an 80% chance they repeat, unless there's injuries, and I really hate that. Just right. Yeah, I figured. Denver Broncos. Um, honestly, I think the Broncos are probably just right, too. They're just that middle. They're, 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 they're decent. They're uh, back into the playoff threat, just like all three of the teams in our division besides the Chiefs are. It just sucks that the Chiefs are there. Because it takes us out of contention we, of winning we, it. We really book in the playoffs. It's the Chiefs at the top, and then we're Someone right there. Someone else the is like five, six sometimes, like the one like a few years ago where we were the two wild cards. So didn't work out well for us. R.I.P. for that broken car, car leg. But you know, whatever. R.I.P. for the Chargers making it past the first round. Unless you're playing the Bengals. Unless we're playing the Bengals. Uh, overrated, Denver Broncos. Overrated. Okay, I could see that. I agree with them. I mean, I, I, need, I need to see another season out of Drew Locke. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think Drew Locke's overrated. I just don't think the team itself is overrated. I think that the Broncos' defense and everything, the way the team is ran, I think they'll be all right. Your Oakland Raiders. I'm going to say my Oakland Raiders are just a tad bit underrated or just right. Underrated. I agree. I think that, obviously, the Raiders, like – at least we have a decent fan base, but other than that, we really don't have a lot going on for us for a long time. But I do think Carr gets a lot of hate, and that's really where it comes from. Carr, in my opinion, is not a bad quarterback. I'm a, I'm a Carr guy. I'm loyal to Carr. I would like to keep him around. And obviously, Mariota is not the answer, so we didn't bring him in to replace him. So we've learned that Mariota is, you know, while, he, while he's a decent quarterback, he has a, he has a playoff win as a resume, you know. Hey, you you never him. know, man. Drew Brees wasn't the answer in San Diego, but he sure was in New Orleans. That's true. I mean, you never you – I mean, he's you never, pro- he, he, he was probably the answer in San Diego. We just was, didn't give him enough time. I, well, here's the thing, though. I've, I've, um, there's, there's a difference in looking at Drew Brees play football and watching Marcus Mariota play football. <laughs> there's two different things. They're a little – just a tad bit different. On the skill and finally, my Los Angeles Chargers. I would say also underrated. Underrated, but with the catch. Here's the catch. We go into every season underrated, 
and we end every season overrated. Yep, that we, is absolutely true. Absolutely we come true. in and we have such a good roster and people are sleeping on us. And then you realize the reason they were sleeping on us is because what we do with that roster every yep, year. That's the thing. It's just it's the exact same thing that I, talk, I joke with all my Cowboys fans about. I know a lot of people listening are probably Cowboys fans. But what's the point of paying all that money, the highest payroll in the NFL, to go 8-8? Eight and eight? Like, I just don't get it. And it's the same thing with the Chargers. You have years where you're top five offense, top ten defense, always getting talked about as a possible threat, and you just don't do nothing. And that's why the rest of the division, even, you know, we kind of have like a little soft spot, like a little brother spot for the Chargers because it's like we don't, <laughs> we don't really want them to fail, but we don't want them to succeed either because then it means that we didn't. But out of everyone in the division, obviously the Chargers are the easiest ones to look at. The Broncos and Chiefs basically made me throw up, regurgitating as soon as I see them. So. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Hope you enjoyed the show. As always, we'll be back every week. Music brought to you by Hurricane Music. Thanks for listening. Today's Instagram pool is brought to you by Gridiron Grill, G-R-I-D-R-I. I I I spelled Gridiron wrong. Today's Instagram pool is brought to you by... Sorry, I said pool. All right, stop. Just keep keep going. Keep going. Today's Instagram pool is brought to you by Gridiron Grill. I got a notification. (laughs) Today's Instagram pool is brought to you by Gridiron Grill, G-R-I-D-R-I. I-R-I-O-N-G-R-I-I-L on Instagram. Today's Instagram pool is brought to you by Gridiron Grail on Instagram.